Good morning, everyone. And for those who celebrate, Merry Christmas Eve. So we're here almost at the end of December already uh, in our month-long exploration of darkness and what this transitional time of year brings for us in um, a wide range of space, a wide range of consideration here. Um, I think one of the consistent themes that has been coming up for us this month is uh, this kind of tug in multiple directions we feel, particularly in the month of December, that can be a lot to deal with. And so this month's space has really been set aside specifically for us to be able to reconcile with that. So we feel that in the ways that we are showing up for ourselves, our families, our communities, uh, our workplaces in this month can be as intentional as we want it to be, that it's not just sort of plastered over with a version that we're expected to be during the month of December, that we can be ourselves. And so to begin, whenever you are ready, let's just go ahead and give ourselves a moment to arrive and to be comfortable in our space. Okay, so intentionally adjusting however you're sitting, just any little small movement to create basically like a signal within the body that now we're beginning. So maybe we were just sitting and pausing before while we were getting set up. We were getting our kettle heating, positioning things on our table, any sort of festive brightness that we are bringing into our practice today. So we transition from that into settling in the body. And so just shifting the body however we need to be comfortable can be a way of signaling that start. And in this moment, let's notice the whole of how we're feeling. The whole of how we're feeling. And if it feels comfortable for you, I invite you to put one hand on the chest. And if it's accessible, maybe just under the top of the shirt there so it could be your palm to your own skin. So just a palm over the chest has a really soothing impact for us. It helps to slow the heart rate. helps us to become more aware of ourselves in this moment. And I invite you to just breathe at your own pace. Whether you need to take a slightly longer in-breath right now and release with a longer exhale or exhale through the mouth. Or maybe your breath is just quiet. It's quiet and it's still like the surface of a lake. Just breathe however feels comfortable for you. And you can close your eyes if you like or you can 
just rest the gaze on something soothing on your table, like a candle flame or your waiting tea bowl. And let's observe a minute of silence together to just arrive. And if you have one hand over your heart, you can lower that hand. And let's close our opening settling with just a moment to extend gratitude to ourselves for showing up for ourselves in a way that meets us where we're at. And maybe that is just sitting for a little bit longer. You can have the palms resting on the knees. Whatever way feels like a gesture that allows you to transition. Maybe it's to bring the two hands together in front of the heart and bow the head. It's something that feels like a physical representation of that moment of gratitude. Acknowledging we can do hard things we can make room for ourselves. And we can want more for each other. And then whenever you feel ready to move on, to begin our practice with our tea, go ahead and coming back into the space, into the present awareness of the whole of the room that you're in, make any movement that you need to get your tea, to have your bowl right in front of you. And beginning here by picking up our tea, holding it in the hands, and holding it as if it were an offering to yourself. So we're not picking up a piece of produce or a condiment or a seasoning or something. We are, we're picking up our tea. And we're going to offer it to the bowl and offer it to ourselves. And so first bring the tea to your nose. And then just enjoy your breath here, slow breathing in and out. 
notice the little quiet conversation that happens between the T and your nose when we get really close. And maybe you can hear some of the words of that conversation. And maybe you don't. You just notice that something's happening. And just follow your breath for a few cycles in and out, allowing the whole body the chance to catch up to the moment, to align itself with this kind of inward focus that it takes to get really quiet with our tea, to resist the kind of built-in mechanism to just pick up something, give it a quick once over, set it aside, move on to the next thing. Give yourself a little bit. And then whenever you're ready, go ahead and serve yourself a little bit of tea. Whatever size, little pinch feels good for your bowl today. Just placing it inside the waiting bowl. However much or however little you need. I'm pausing here for a moment, just releasing the hands into the lap, just so we can pace ourselves and catch any habitual movement that we might do during the rest of our day when we're preparing a cup of tea or anything else that's just kind of background. Just pause. And then from this centered point, make any movement that you need in your space to go and get your hot water. So that might be turning to the side that might be sipping into another room. Just take your time. And whenever you arrive back to your seat, once again, just taking a little moment here, a little beat. Maybe an in-breath and an out-breath to recenter yourself. And then slowly add water over your leaves. Pouring it slowly like you were melting something very gently. And watching the slowness of the bowl filling up with water. And the steam swirling into the air above. And you can add as much or as little water as you need today. And then we'll just set the kettle aside. We can come back to it later. We can add more water if we like. And then if it's accessible for where you have your bowl placed for you today, so if it's on the table in front of you or on the floor and you can reach it, see if it feels nice to just take your two hands, palms face up alongside the bowl, 
And just rest your hands on the tabletop. And if your t-bowl is in a place where you cannot do this, maybe it's sitting on a lower table in front of you and you're on a tall sofa, just rest the hands in your lap. And notice that there's a lot of activity happening in the bowl. So there's a lot of movement with the steam There's motion with the leaves themselves. And at first they might seem like they're in a little bit of disarray. Some are floating, some are sinking, some are somewhere in between. And between your two hands, you hold the space for all of that. There's also stillness. There's also calm in the t-bowl. Take a moment here to find a space in the t-bowl that resonates for you as a place that's calm. Where is your eye naturally drawn to? And just rest on that particular spot inside the bowl for a moment. What is the quality of this space like? Is it a shadowy space in the bowl? Is it near the surface where it meets the light? Somewhere in between? Is it a clear space or is there a lot of leaves there? Is it near the center of the bowl or somewhere closer to the inside wall? And so this is a little exercise for us to just become more aware of our own personal orientation towards spaces of calm, spaces of supportive stillness, what they look like, what they feel like as we watch them, where they resonate in the body. Whenever it feels comfortable to do so, we can lift our tea bowl, bring it to the nose and breathe our tea. And here too, just noticing what is coming up for you and your body as you breathe this particular tea. 
knowing that you don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to change or adjust your breath in any way. You're just simply breathing and noticing. When it feels like it's okay to do so, we can take a sip of our tea. And take a moment to listen. And when you feel called to, taking another sip. And listen. Can you soften your jaw? Can you soften the space between your eyebrows? The little corners at the mouth. Relax the skin on your forehead. And just listen. Just moving at your own pace. Whenever you feel called to, taking another sip of tea. Swallowing it slowly. And listening.
And what we might hear is the way that RT speaks to us. And the communion that we have with RT, which is a way of also saying the communion we have with ourselves. That when we are in a moment of darkness in our life, just having someone who listens and someone that we can lean on. And in that listening, they are also saying, I've got you. Think of times in your life, perhaps, where you have turned to a cup of tea. We felt the call to sit down and just let things be still for a moment to drink our tea and catch our breath. To listen and to be listened to. Take another sip of tea. And listen. And witness yourself being listened to. as we sit here together, can we feel into the whole of our space that we're in? Feeling ourselves at the center of this moment of stillness and darkness that is warm and holds us And recognize the honestly rather magical nature of this little conversation with tea that you can have. And 
and observe what it feels like to really take that time that you need in whatever transition that we go through the feelings that are coming up for us in this season or in this collective moment what happens when we can take the time to sit to turn to our tea to turn to ourselves and to each other It's so lovely to be here live with you and uh, to see some of the little details of your own uh, ritual practice. Uh, I see um, some people holding candles. Um, I see some people saging their space. I see some people with uh, light set up very specifically. We've got some holiday lights and it's really special to, you know, it feels a little bit like a communal altar uh, that we're all kind of uh, sharing this, what is actually a very personal and usually private space. And it's really lovely to, to see that. Yesterday was uh, my dad's birthday. He would be 74 years old. And his sudden death when I was a teenager has been a really defining experience of my life. And so I want to start by just offering his name into the space, John Anthony Grassi and to express uh, gratitude for the ways in which uh, he shows up in me 
and for all of the incredible offerings and really the incredible service he, he offered to my life during, during his own. One of my teachers observed a few months ago that I have a, a grief backlog, which I thought was such a beautiful way to describe um, a particular complex phenomenon, a grief backlog. And so, you know, I'm trying to catch up. <laughs> I'm trying to efficiently process that grief to catch up to the present moment. <laughs> um, you know, and what, is, what does that involve? I, I think that culturally, we all are in a grief backlog. You know, personal circumstances notwithstanding. Uh, we don't grieve very well as a culture. And I think the way that our relationship to grief shows up in our personal chitta, the, the field of our own heart and mind, I, I feel that that is a reflection, you know, of some of the, the, the ways in which the shape of the culture that we emerge in holds or does not hold grief. I want to invoke Keanu Reeves here. And I'm really disappointed in myself that it's taken this long for me to invoke Keanu Reeves. Um, but I, I once, uh, there's, a, there's a really beautiful, very short clip of uh, Keanu Reeves talking to Stephen Colbert on his show. And you can find this uh, online pretty easily. Stephen Colbert asks Keanu Reeves, what happens when we die? <laughs> right. And Keanu Reeves, the great actor, philosopher, uh, responds really quickly, actually. He responds something like, uh, those that love us miss us. That's what happens when we die. And I thought, gosh, what an incredible answer. It's so grounded in what I know to be true. I think we often imagine that we have to have a kind of metaphysical understanding of that transition. When I feel anyway, the fact for, for no, let me not generalize, in my experience, um, I don't know, you know, I don't know what happened in that moment that uh, I lost my dad. Um, but what I do know is that the connection that I have to him is a living one. And I'm able to commune with him in the same way that I'm able to commune with friends and with you right now. My teacher, Elisa Commerce, has spoken frequently of the continuation body this year. 
in encouraging us to rise to the best form of our own selves, to meet this difficult moment uh, from a centered place. And I think in a difficult moment like this, particularly to continue um, cultivating this light, this internal light, which is a source of strength, right? A source of resilience so that, you know, even when that which around you is perhaps crumbling or dissolving or the ideals that you hold are not well reflected in the culture around you. This is a common experience these days. To have the the power really to maintain a vision of the world that you want to live in while also living in the world that you are in. And so the continuation body is Elisa's way of speaking about uh, the persistence, or perhaps we could say the echo of our being in this realm, in the shared realm. That uh, when we pass or, the, or when uh, others pass, and we, when we witness the passing of others, there is this continuation of their being in all of the lives that are touched by them. And in Elisa's class, you know, we're speaking using examples of, you know, epic figures like Martin Luther King Jr. You know, like imagine just that continuation body. It's so powerful. But for all of us, we have this power of continuation. And uh, it is in all of the lives that we touch, which actually, even in a time of solitude like this, if we really consider how many lives we touch on a daily basis, it's quite, quite amazing. Uh, email, social media, text messages, small exchanges with uh, the people that work in service around you, passers-by, trees and plants and pets, stars, water, tea. This year I've been trying to figure out how to practice uh, ancestral you know, relationship. It's sort of trending in culture right now, I feel. There's a lot of people talking about it. And I've been trying to figure out what that means for me, how I understand that. Uh, what does it mean for my father to, to actually be in relationship with me now, even though his physical body has passed, for example. And, you know, one of the challenging teachings of Tantra, this uh, yoga philosophy, is that awareness, which we all sort of um, have this shared access to, that illuminates the space that we call our perception, our mind, our embodied reality. We're all sort of tethered to 
um, awareness which unfolds us all in this kind of mysterious, magical, um, material process. So the challenging thought here is that awareness <clears throat> not only sort of brings forth beings like us, but awareness also brings forth physics like space-time. And in the same way that a human life is uh, a beautiful kind of game, and not game in the like superficial sense, but game in the like, okay, there are these rules and uh, I have these possible operations and I'm going to like make some decisions and I'm also going to respond to chance and, you know, let this life as a beautiful game, they, really the, the sacred game that holds all the other games. That, that awareness is, is also something like that. Um, and in its creation, you could say, the unfolding of space-time is part of that construction. And so while a human like myself might be uh, really, my experience might be really defined by, by a sense of time that feels chronological, that chronology isn't the center of existence, according to this philosophy. Something about the ground of being is beyond time. And so if I let myself really settle into that idea, then connecting with my father has nothing to do with whether or not his physical body is present with me in this moment. I had the great privilege of visiting the Redwoods out on the West Coast recently. And I was really excited to be in their presence. It's been a long time. And uh, I was not expecting to encounter the devastation of the, the fires uh, that have ravaged that area recently. But of course, right, when I got there, I was like, oh, right, this, this entire landscape has been in incredible uh, devastation. And so it was really interesting to walk through these towering beings and to see their scars, to see the, the black charring uh, of, their, of their bark. And of course, some of the trees were gone. But many were still standing and just kind of holding this, you know, beautiful, really, acknowledgement of the recent suffering that they've experienced. And redwoods are like really fire resistant. It's one of the ways in which they're very resilient. They have something about their, their bark and the thickness of it and the particular chemical constitution it makes it hard to burn a redwood tree. I noticed that as I was out there, uh, there were a lot of um, stands of, of redwoods that seemed circular, younger trees usually, thinner, uh, and there'd be like a little circle, a ring of trees. 
And my friend Tim explained to me that uh, that's common in redwoods when uh, an elder tree dies, that uh, it sends its nutrients into the space around it and then new life grows. And there's something about looking at these young trees and looking at the space in, uh, in between them, the space at the center. That felt resonant with today's theme. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, let's see, if you're curious about, if for some reason you don't know who Keanu Reeves is, well, <laughs> you're, about to have, you're about to have the best day. Uh, his, his first name is spelled Keanu, K-E-A-N-U. <laughs> um, and let's see, what else, what else uh, might I need to mention? You know, I, I kind of glossed very briefly and generally uh, Tantra, um, an element of Tantra today. And if you're, if you're curious about that, but when you Google it, all you see are sex things, um, I, can, <laughs> I can help you with that. Uh, the, the classical, um, or the scholars of, of Tantra refer to the, the sexy Tantra stuff as Neo-Tantra. Um, and the Tantra tradition that I was referencing is, is a lot older and has its origins uh, in the Kashmir Valley, what is now kind of threshold space between India and Pakistan. And um, if you're curious to learn more about that, I would, I would really recommend, if I, to, if I had to take you to one place, I would, I would recommend uh, this, this great book called The Recognition Sutras. Um, it's a translation of uh, an ancient text uh, yeah, a thousand years old is ancient, right, Suze? Does that qualify mm, as yeah, ancient? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, by um, ooh, Chemaraja, uh, and Christopher Wallace uh, does a really beautiful translation, so I feel that it's a good starting place. It's a little dense in moments, but it's a nice starting place if you want to learn about Tantra. Uh, his last name is spelled W-A-L-L-I-S. And if you want to find me, I'm at info at adamgrassi.com. My last name is spelled G-R-O-S-S-I. I'm also on Instagram as Adam Grassi, where I post frequently. And I'll pass it over to you, Suze. And you can find me in uh, all spaces being tea. Being like people beings, not beans, like coffee beans, the other kind of bean. So you can find me on Instagram at beingtea. You can find my website at beingtea.com. You can email me at suze at beingtea.com. 
And as Adam shared in uh, today's session, uh, we do record Tea and Contemplation live every Friday. We always have a lovely studio audience here with us, and you can join us on Zoom for a live community session. If you'd like info on how to join live or how to support the show as a regular listener, just check out our show links here, and we hope to see you soon.